We are in week two of Lost and Found, and we are learning about um, God's focus on those that are far from him. That God puts a priority and a special focus on the people that aren't yet Christians, that don't have it all together, that can just come into a church and probably feel really awkward and really strange because this is not where they belong. But God thinks it's exactly where they belong. In fact, he puts more emphasis and more priority on the people that are lost than the people that are found, which is kind of crazy. Until you think about if you've ever lost your kid before. You don't really think about the kid that you have right by your side because you're too much in a, in a tizzy running around trying to find the one that was lost. And that's how God feels about us. Our series verse today, um, our series verse this month comes out of, out of uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 32. And it says this. And, and remember the story is that um, this, the, the son... Um, took his father's inheritance before he was dead. He ran off to the city, the big city, lived a terrible life, woke up in a pig pen, said he came to his senses, and he wanted to go home just as even a servant. And, and when he was coming home, his father welcomed him in again as a son, which is amazing because he did not have to do that. And then he was, his father was talking to the older brother, and he said this to him, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Last week we learned about the priority that God places on the one. The one that's lost, the one that's broken, the one that's hurting, the one that is uh, down and out, the one that has done too much and gone too far. That God puts his priority on reaching those people. And so we learn that as a church and as a Christian... It's our responsibility also to put our priority on the people that don't know God. If you are taking notes today, I I highly recommend it. Um, You can pull out your notes today. Everybody should have a pen and uh, and that paper there. The title of today's message is Mission Critical. Mission Critical. So... Um, I, I, did a real, I did a short stint in, in the Army, and it, the Army, it's, it's all about the mission. You know, it's, it's like you, uh, you just do anything that it took in order to have a successful mission. So a mission gives a desired outcome. Like, you know when you go into it, you know what the goal is. You know where you're supposed to be going and what you're supposed to be doing. And a mission keeps us focused on arriving at that end goal. Because as I'm going, I know... This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And the things that come up and try to distract me and try to pull me from one way or another, I can keep my eyes set on the mission, on the goal, because it's keeping me focused. It's keeping me dialed into, um, dialed into what the, the end result here. And so, um, just, you know, sports. Sports have missions, too. I, I wrestled all through school. Um, and so, w- in wrestling, we have the mission of the match is to pin your opponent, right? Um, in football, your mission is to get your ball into the end zone. In uh, basketball, your mission is to sink that ball into that hoop. Um, with running, your mission, I don't, I don't really even know. Uh, I don't know why you do it, <laughs> okay? I have no idea. Um, the Bible says um, only the wicked run when they're not being pursued, so take that to the bank. That's why I don't go jogging personally. Um, I walk with uh, Mr. John Isaacs over there every now and then. But, um, yeah, we don't run. But I don't even know that. But every, every mission, there's a mission to every single sport. There's a mission to everything that we're trying to accomplish. And whether you know it or not, there's a mission for your life as well. Now, 
you have the choice whether to say yes or to, to say no. And, and Jesus, Jesus came to earth and he had a mission. Like he didn't just come down because he wanted to be born to the Virgin Mary and live a great life and people can talk about him years from now. No, Jesus had a mission while he was here. So Jesus, what, Jesus is God, right? And, and, and the Bible says that world, the world was created by Jesus and through Jesus. And Jesus chose to lay down his divinity, that means he was no longer God, and come to the earth and live life as a man. And, and, because there was one thing that he wanted to do. His whole mission was this. He chose to lay down his life to be killed in order to come and rescue mankind. That was his whole mission. He came to lay down his life so that he could save ours. Jesus, um, and, and the whole reason behind that is because Jesus had to, be, had to come because humanity was broken. At the very first sin, if you guys have ever heard of Adam and Eve, raise your hand if you've heard of Adam and Eve in here before. You have never been to church before and you still have heard of Adam and Eve. Everybody knows who they are, even if you believe they're just a great story. Um, we believe that the Bible is literal. But um, Adam and Eve... They sinned against God. They rebelled against him. They did what he said not to do. And because of that, humanity was broken. And Jesus had to come to restore humanity to its original intended purpose and form. And so that's still being worked out in the earth today. That's why bad things can still happen to good people. Because the world is broken because of the sin that has taken place. And it's not your fault, but it, it, it does affect all of us. And so, uh, Jesus came to eradicate that, and there will be a day where he comes back again, and all of this garbage passes away, and we're only left with perfection. And so, Jesus' mission, he states it very plain and simple in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Read this with me. Um, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen here, or it's on your message notes. Um, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. We'll dig into that another week. Okay, but for the son of, this is, this is Jesus' mission statement for his life. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save. That means he didn't wait for people to come to him. He went to people. He didn't wait for the broken people to come to him and finally say, I'm ready. I, I'm just, I finally reached my breaking point. No, Jesus went to the broken people. Jesus went to the hurting people because his mission made him focused. That he, his mission was to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus did that. Um, his ministry lasted for about three years, which is crazy to think about in a, in a, in a span of three years. Jesus is one of, he is the most influential figure in all of history and he did all that in three years imagine what he can do through us in a lifetime so our mission when Jesus went back to heaven because there was a day that uh, Jesus was killed he was resurrected from the grave and he spent about 40 days with his disciples and then he went back to to heaven and this were these were his last words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus gives us our mission. And this is called the Great Commission, if you've ever heard of it before. Matthew chapter 28, it says this. And then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In that statement, Jesus' final words before he went back to heaven... These are more important than anything he'd ever said. You guys know the importance of last words when people are on their deathbed or they know that um, their life is quickly coming to an end. We always hear about the last words and how important they are and impactful they are. Well, these are the last words of Jesus. And they they are as important as anything he's ever said before because this is what we were created to do. Jesus said all authority was given to him and then he passed it to us. So he's giving his authority to us. And then he gives us this mission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them um, everything that he has taught us, and he's going to be with us to the end of the age. And so our mission as a Christian is to go and make disciples. What does that mean? That just means you've got to go and get people saved. You've got to go and spread this good news that Jesus came to die for them and that he just wants them to live for him. And then don't leave them there but bring them along with you. That's what discipleship is all about. Me walking hand in hand with somebody and teaching them the ropes of Christianity. Okay, it's that simple. But that's our job as Christians. And so um, there's a lot of us, though, that in life we, we continually search for this fulfillment. Like, and that's the reason why for so many years I was in the bar or in the club or bouncing from girl to girl or whatever else it might be or drinking or... The reason, and the reason that you're, that, that you're struggling today and that you have friends and family that are struggling is because you're searching for fulfillment in all of the wrong places. Your life is not meant to be fulfilled through these shallow things, but that your, your heart is truly craving to be on this mission. Your heart is truly craving to walk with Jesus and to change this world because the ultimate purpose for each of our lives... Listen, if you've been wondering, let me tell you, your purpose on this earth is to not live for yourself. Your purpose is to make a difference in the life of someone else. That's why we're here. Our ultimate purpose in this life is to make a difference in the life of someone else. So there's this place um, in Israel. It's called the Dead Sea. And uh, it's got the name because it's dead. Okay, This, this sea is so salty that people go in there and, and they float literally on top of the water. There's no, there's no life that exists in this Dead Sea. But the reason is because this Dead Sea has, it, it has an inflow, but it never has anywhere to release. This water sits and stagnates. And the problem that we can relate our lives to this, that when we, when we, when we let God pour into us and we forget and don't pour into others, we're going to end up just like that Dead Sea. We're gonna, you, might, um, you might end up a little bit salty. You might not have any life around you wherever you go. And I'll guarantee you it's because you are not serving other people in the way that God is serving you. That's where fulfillment is found. Don't be the Dead Sea. We've got to be a river running through it. We've got to be the, the river that receives good things and then shares good things or else we're missing it and we're going to end up salty and lit 
and we're gonna, nobody wants to be around us, and the places that you go, you don't make them better. The places that you go, people give a sigh of relief when you finally leave the room. This is pretty heavy. But we've got to be intentional about sharing. <laughs> Things scared me. You've got to be intentional about sharing with others the things that God is sharing with us. So, let's talk about the mission, okay? Let's talk about three, uh, three points about the mission. Number one, the mission is personal. Write that down. The mission is personal. So here's what I don't mean. And, uh, and this is what I believe to be a complete lie of the devil. That someone will tell you that, well, your relationship between... Your, your relationship is, is meant just between you and, and God. Well, well, I've got a relationship with God, but it's just between me and Him. Well, that's, that's not the case. Because if our lives are meant to make a difference, my relationship with Jesus has to incorporate other people. It has to be personal, but it also has to incorporate other people. We'll get to that in a, in a moment. But We've got to make this personal in this account. Romans chapter 10 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Not preaching, out, not preaching at them. Preaching's got a terrible um, connotation in today's society. It's not me trying to tell you how to live. It's me just trying to share with you the, the same hope that I've received. So when, when I say we got to make this personal, I mean each one of us has to take the personal responsibility in sharing in this mission because every person has a specific part to play and every person has a specific purpose to fulfill. You are the missing puzzle piece and you're the only one that's going to fit in God's design for the things he's asking us to do. Guys, there, there is nobody that can replace you. The, the things that you can offer to people, the sphere of influence that you have with people, no one else can do that except for you. So we have to take a personal ownership of that. You have a purpose in life, and you may not know what it is. But if you'll give me an hour and a half today, I promise you that I will get you on the right track. I promise you that I will get you on the path to where you find out. It may not happen today, but it'll get you started on you finding out why God created you specifically. Obviously, our lives are meant to make a difference in the lives of others, but there are specific things that God has gifted you with that He has put in you that no one else has, and no one else is as good at, at, at this as you are. And so God wants you to use that to make a difference. So I, I, I urge you today, come eat some food. If you just come for the free food and the child care, I promise that you will leave better than you came in. Just give me an hour and a half. Give me an hour and a half. And I promise you will get you started on that question. Why was I even created? Why am I even here? Go to Pathway. It's at 1230. Okay, but we have to, um, when we think about this, making it personal, we have to really, this is something that I found. When, when, when I discovered this, it's, it's like a life hack. When I discovered this, my life changed. The way that I viewed this thing changed. We have to reframe our thinking because we have to start thinking about that person that's far from God. Maybe your coworker, your boss, maybe it's your family member or whatever. That person that's far from God that you just pass by because it's so much easier because you don't want to stir things up. It's so much easier to not share it because how awkward it would it be if they said no and you have to 
live your whole life around it, like, that'd be terrible. But we have to reframe our thinking and think about it like this. What if that person that you're thinking about, that you're passing by, what if they were your brother, your sister, your father, your mom, your kids? Wouldn't you do anything that it took when it, let, let's think of it outside of eternity. If, if there was a need that you knew you could fulfill in your kid's life, parents, wouldn't you do anything that you could do to make sure that they were taken care of? Reframe your thinking. Those people that are far from God, think of them as your family. Think of them as your best friends. Think of them in a way that you, can, you can't pass them by anymore because there's an urgency that you have what they need and you're the only one that can offer it to them. Culture wants us to, um, to think everything's about us, but our lives should truly be about others. And when we make this thing personal, we make it powerful. When we make this gospel, this mission personal in our lives, we make it powerful to the lives of other people. Guys, self-care is really important, but self-preservation is a lie from the enemy. What's the difference? My focus I care for myself well because I want to be able to care for other people well. I don't care for myself well because I want to live a happy, extraordinary life that I, you know, I, I live out all my goals and dreams and aspirations and then I die and never make an impact. Self-care is great. It's kind of like you have to put your own airplane mask on when you're going down before you help someone else. That's self-care. Self-preservation is this, putting your own mask on and not helping anyone around you. That's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to make a difference in the lives of others. We have to make it personal. Number two, the mission is relational. Write that down. The mission is relational. That means you weren't meant to do life alone. You will, even my introverts, where are my introverts at? Raise your hand. There's a lot of introverts in here that did not raise their hand, and you are extremely introverted. It's great. You just said it for me. But this mission is relational. Even if you're an introvert, you were still created to be in relationship with other people. Now, there may be other people that drain your battery a lot quicker than some. And don't listen. If they're sitting beside you, don't point at them, okay? But this, meant, this is meant to be relational. It's meant to, to, to not do this alone. God did not create us to do life alone. And this is the true purpose of church. The true purpose of church is to bring together like-minded people in order to accomplish the goal of spreading the gospel. That's why here at church we have the crew. We bring together a, a large group of people that serve because we know that it's not about us. Sunday mornings are no longer about us. They're about serving the people that come into the, this building. And I would hope that there will be a day where you can say that same thing and say, you know what? Sunday mornings aren't, aren't about me anymore. Sunday mornings are about the four people that came into this room last week and gave their life to Jesus and their eternity was changed forever. That's why we do what we do. But the church is meant to build relationships with people. If you're busting out of those doors right at 12 o'clock today, guys, I would urge you, hang around. Find somebody that you don't know. Talk to them. Meet them. 
Because that's what you're here for. You're not here to get a a great teaching. I'm not even really that good. But you're not here to get a a great teaching from me. It's not here to to appreciate our likes. We thank God we're up here till 1 a.m. in the morning. And I just want to give a shout out, me and my my buddy uh, Trent, wherever he's at. Um, Can we give it up for Trent? Because uh, he, he, yeah. Come on, guys. Give it up. Okay, thank you. We we stayed up here till here uh, last night at like 1 a.m. trying to stream these likes. But that's not what it's about. We got the cool lights, we got the, the big old TVs that I never dreamt I'd see a TV that large before. And, but the church is about relationships. It's about building relationships. The flashiness, the flashiness, honestly, is just so people enjoy it when they get here. But when they get here, they learn that they enjoy the people a whole lot better. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 2 says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them, listen to this, two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was asked to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. There's a little detail in there that I don't want us to miss. That when Jesus, this was, one of the, this was the first time that Jesus equipped the, all, all of the people that were following him to go and uh, do it on their own. But they didn't do it on their own. He sent them out what? Two by two. I think it was so that he could show us and show them, you're not meant to do this alone. They could have covered a lot more ground if he would have sent 72 all by themselves. But he sacrificed the ground for um, the importance of the principle that you're not supposed to do this life alone. No matter what you're doing, guys, never walk alone. Never walk alone. It's not, it's not what you were created to do. God's mission is too big for one person to carry. It's, it's just, that's, if, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's probably not a God-sized dream. Think bigger. And it's going to have to involve other people. When Cassie and I had the vision to plant Summit View Church, we knew we couldn't do it alone. We had to pull in people to help us. And thank God for the people that are helping us because we could not do this. But all of us together, this is the turnout. It's great. The mission is relational. And finally, number three, number three, the mission is eternal. The mission is eternal. Romans chapter 5 and verse 21 says this. Just as sin reigned in death so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, your personal mission for your life, maybe it's to, maybe it's to go play ball in college. Maybe it's to, um, to advance in your job. Maybe it's to make six figures. Maybe whatever it is, your personal mission, there's going to be a day where that fades away and there's, there's nothing left of it. There's going to be a day where where that's gone. But listen, God's mission will last forever. God's mission is eternal. Because the impact that you make in this life, it's going to carry on. It's going to carry on to other people. The people that you reach, the people that you touch, the people that you impact. Hopefully you're going to see them on the other side of eternity. Because you shared with them the only hope for humanity. Your life's 
your life, your life is going to pass away. The Bible says that it's just like a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. But there is an eternity to think about. Guys, I am, when it comes to, to church planting, when it comes to church growth, I'm going to make a confession. I am all about the numbers. That's all I care about. It's getting this church as big as it can get. Let me tell you why. Because heaven and hell and hev- heaven and hell are a reality. Heaven and hell are real. And so I want to see every seat in this place filled up every single week. Because that is our greatest hope of sharing the gospel with people. We don't grow this church for the sake of growing this church. We grow this church because eternity is going to happen. And we want people to be on the right side of it. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in Estill County, there are uh, just under uh, 15,000 people here. Do you guys know that 8 out of 10 of them are not connected in a local church? 8 out of 10 people that you pass in the grocery store are not connected to a local church. And I would venture to say that most of them are not connected to Jesus. That's a whole lot of people in this county that don't know Jesus. Why do we need another church? We've heard that over and over. There's 88 churches in Estill County. Why do we need another one? Because there's not enough seats. If everyone were to give their life to Jesus and have a radical transformation tomorrow, our churches could not fit the amount of people that would try to fill those chairs. I'm all about the numbers. Because I want people to go to heaven. I want to see them for eternity. We're dealing with people's eternity. It's a, it's a, it's a huge thing. It's an impactful thing. And, and, and God has given us the responsibility and the authority to handle this. To steward it well. So if you're a... Let's circle back to this. If your brother or your sister or your friend, right? Let's say you're like... Let's say you're just the, the best mechanic that's ever lived and your your friend or your brother or your sister they're, they're having car trouble and you have the exact piece that they need in order to make that thing work and you know without a shadow of a doubt that this is going to make it run better wouldn't you offer that part to them if you had it wouldn't you just hey I, I got the thing you need here you go I'm not even going to charge you for it here you go Why can't we treat eternity like that? Guys, we have the greatest hope of all mankind. We've got that part that people need. Maybe it just takes stepping out of our comfort zone. I thank God somebody stepped out of their comfort zone for me. And I I thank God that someone stepped out of their comfort zone for my wife and shared with us the hope of the gospel that changed our lives forever at different times. But it changed our lives forever because someone said, you know what? You're missing something. Your life's not working because you're missing something. But I've got that something. And I'm going to give it to you free of charge. When Jesus paid the the ultimate price, he gave his sacrifice. He paid for our sin. He paid for everything that you and I would ever do wrong. Because 2,000 years ago, that's all he could pay for was everything you ever did wrong. So listen, it's not about you, you, you get saved and then you have to live a perfect life after that. Guys, God has covered all of it. He has covered it 
through the end of time. But he made the ultimate sacrifice. And he's offering us the greatest message on earth. A message that tells people that God, listen to this, God wants to fix what is broken with mankind. God wants to know you. <laughs> if you're sitting out there, you're like, you're talking a all, all, whole lot about this guy named Jesus. I don't even know him. Listen, God wants to know you. God wants to. There's too many people out there that, say, that, that, that preach that God can't wait for you to mess up so he can hit you over the head with that little bat that he's got. It's not the case. Jesus came for one reason, what? To seek and to save the lost. John 3, 17, he didn't come to condemn the world, but that he might save the world through him. Jesus came for you and me. He wants to know us. God wants to know you. 